0: Welcome to Questions We're Afraid to Ask.
1: Welcome back, everybody. Welcome. We have Marcus back with us uh, again. Um, today we're going to talk about more along what is it to be human and what is faith? And, and how does that intertwine with us as humans? Um, considering that uh, we, we know there's other hominid species... And now we know for a fact that some of us are hybrids, right? I sit here with Neanderthal DNA in me, so I'm 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 a hybrid. So what what does it mean to be human, right? And 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 how do we define that with our our long extinct cousins? Uh, so that's the question, and it's kind of inspired by a special that came out today. It's July eighteenth, twenty twenty three. Uh, Cave of Bones. Uh, it's called Unknown Cave of Bones on Netflix, and it's very, very, very good. Um, so, yeah, where does religion come from? Or spirituality or faith or that question of what else is there or is there something more than us? You know, that's... Mushrooms. Yeah, Maybe. <laughs> and, 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 you know... Fungi. To, 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 to frame this, there's, there's evidence that some of the hominids left their dead... And didn't bury mm-hmm. it. There's some evidence that some of them buried it, but not necessarily with, like, any kind of ritual. And then there's the ones that uh, – there's ornaments and tools and art and stuff. And as a primitive hunter-gatherer species, think about the, the loss of caloric intake to leave a tool that works behind, mm-hmm. right? I mean, there has, to,
0: there has to be a reason there. You don't just abandon a resource,
1: well, I mean, if for, you're going to talk about
0: the the loss of calories, the loss of calories of digging a hole to put someone in, let alone mm-hmm. taking them somewhere, and then like in, in the special, going through this incredibly arduous journey and dangerous journey to to put them somewhere, like that's they found food, they were cooking, they they were burning enough calories that they needed to eat during that process. Well, that, so like that's and they had that, fire. Right. Yeah, they had
1: campfires. They had cook fires. They built fires throughout the whole thing, so they could get because the cave. You know, some people imagine cave and they think, oh, well, you just walk into a cave. This is like no, no. more of a labyrinth. If if I had to describe it, right? Uh, this is
0: one of those caves where like you're watching someone scoot through, and you start to get a little sweaty because you're like, boy, that looks really tight. I feel like I would get stuck. <laughs> like it was that kind of thing. But then, but then to think like it's not just that, but you're also like lowering a body down while you're mm-hmm. trying to weasel through this. Now, granted, they're smaller than humans, so that would have been a little bit easier, but it wasn't easy by any no, means. No, there's no way. And and if
1: you slip, you're going to fall, right? Yeah, they didn't long have shoot. ropes. Yeah.
0: And, well, maybe. maybe they yeah,
1: did. And, and at one point, they literally have to do the Indiana Jones, let's jump over a you know,
2: pit that we yeah, can see the bottom chasm. of. Uh, you so. know, I wonder... I wonder in terms of like communities like that ancient or otherwise that it's less about religion and more about reverence because almost all I I I, would, I, I don't this is mm-hmm. not a fact I couldn't prove this um but in his book accompany them with singing Thomas Long kind of dissects the funeral rite RITE um mm-hmm. in 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 church language we would say rite or we'd say liturgy but he he talks about the fact that very few cultures in the world don't have some kind of way of showing reverence to the dead. And mm-hmm. it's, I, I I would even argue that it, even in Christianity, our theology, our understanding of God, while birthed out of a narrative that speaks of life also speaks of death. So, mm-hmm the 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 yin and yang of conversation may be more about reverence of those people and burying mm-hmm. them and putting them in a place of importance versus mm-hmm. saying that there's a belief pattern based on a deity because i, I having not seen I, yeah. I before we started they were mm-hmm. giving me a rundown but uh i have not seen this this particular thing, and i'm fascinated by this but at the same time, I also think too one of the things we share as humans, but it is not just humans; it is mm-hmm. almost all life in mm-hmm. general, is two things: the reverence and burial of the dead, and the reverence of those who are older. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I can think of of things like on on um, that I have seen of you know whether it's Net Geo or whatever talking about lions and the way the pride mm-hmm. works or thinking of, of wolf packs or, uh, elephant herds, there is reverence given for those older animals. And when they mm-hmm. die, there is a boneyard. I mean, look, there's a place you mm-hmm. go to die. And, uh, and so even, even within the animal world, there is, there, there's built into it. So it, it's, it's primordial. It's, it's like, it's in mm-hmm. the bones in the, beyond the DNA, almost in a sense, if you could even go there. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Well, and, but and I like that.
1: that. I, I like that. And, I, and, and uh, I I think I think we might be able to narrow it down a little bit more to, the, like, the social animals, right? Because there's, there's the loner animals and then there's the social ones, especially, mm-hmm. like you said, the lions with the prides, wolf packs um, versus – Primates. Uh, primates for sure um, versus yeah. – uh, And even, like, rats, which we found out are much more social than we would have ever thought. Mm-hmm. Um so there's there's a there's a there's a level of, I think emotion involved, right? That that may tie into this. And one of the things that hits really hit me, I don't know if you've ever seen it, but there's this wonderful special with Coco the gorilla, who was one of the gorillas that signed and knew more sign language symbols than any other one. Uh, she met Robin Williams once, and it yeah, was a beautiful this. interaction. There's also another video where they tell her that he died. And she remembers and she talks about sad and there's that it doesn't really hit reverence, but there's grief, right? There's grief yeah. that they're processing because their, their friend who made a massive impact on them because she watched him all the time. And, and that, that cognitive understanding that this person that I saw on the TV as a gorilla was a real person that I interacted with and now I won't ever see again even though I see him on the TV, there's that's huge. Yeah. That's massively profound. And the the concept of consciousness and what, when we talk about like other animals and things like that, um, you know, how they, interact. I think there
0: is, there's definitely something there. I mean, we clearly see it as you get, like you said, with, with other animals when, you know, when something dies, they, they understand that, that idea. I think, there is a difference between when you're seeing that versus the active process of I think I think it was what really sort of the way they put it was by putting a tool in in something's hand. Mm-hmm. You don't leave that there if you don't think that they still need it. so that there's there's some idea of like there's something else which which feels like you're getting more into a philosophy than. Than just a, a reverent place. You know, you can put yeah, anywhere – but but the the point where you you mark the wall and then leave the tool, like, you know, we're sending – because they left it with a child as well, which sort of gives yeah. it a little more significance. But, like, that feels like there's some recognition of, like, there's more to this than There's than another this step. Moment.
1: It feels like there's another, another step or another layer yeah. being put on is – you know, we we uh, some of the earlier burials. I'm going to say it wrong. Is like Homo erectus. There was sign like they buried them under rock, like they didn't dig a hole. But a lot of those are like the the rock style tombs, but they're not left with anything. But Neanderthal, mm-hmm. we have found left with spears and clothes, and uh, so the idea that we have the grief, we have the mourning, we have the reverence. But they're going to need their spirit tomorrow, even though they're dead. So I like like you were saying, that, that adds another layer of something. And I think that's where – that may be where that spark of spirituality starts to come in. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe they had better mushrooms and better psychedelics. And um, <laughs> I mean I'm not – I'm only like yeah. slightly kidding, and I'm not really kidding at all. Something sure. at some point happened. And something changed. And I, I for me, it, it I mean, goes... a, bi-
0: a big one is is fire. So, like, yeah. that is there is a, a huge turning point at the point at which we start cooking our food, because once we start cooking our food, we have a, a surplus of, of calories, which the body can then put into the brain. And so there's a there's a. There's a book called Catching Fire, not the Hunger Games book, but another one um, that really dives into the idea of of sort of the chicken and the egg argument of like, did our brains come first or did the food come first? And it's sort of like they I think they happened at the same time, like that as we got fire, we started to get smarter because we were like, oh, we can cook this stuff and then we figure out how to keep it and move it in. One could have rolled there. into another
2: into another, yeah. Right,
0: because um, especially... fi-
2: fire's role also changes migration patterns. The moment mm-hmm. we can, we, the moment we can do that, we're no longer as tied to foraging and hunting. Yes, still a part of it, but we yeah. don't have to move nearly as much. Communities could become more fixed because mm-hmm. of of the 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 advantage of being able to cook things and that. I was going to add in terms of the spirituality connection. I think that's. Um, that that piece is what separates and maybe maybe this is cuz we don't know enough about the brains of animals and stuff but i think that's the dividing point between humanity as a species and many other species in the world is that when, when we when we get to the point of death we make the leap into that grief and we we often not always we often use religion to help process the grief by grounding it in hope, promise, um, new life, theologies of of eternal life, of resurrection, all those different pieces. And you can add mm-hmm. to that the religions of the world, um, you know, the, the journey toward nirvana, um, any of those pieces. I mean, you could you mm-hmm. can pack that together. But I think that that might be at least in my brain, and I haven't dive down into that a ton, but that might be the dividing point. As we begin to work through that is to say that to be human is maybe to deal with grief in a different kind of way to deal with loss in a different kind of way. That is not to say that, you know, dolphin pods don't deal with the grief of a, of a mate in the same kind of way. We know that swans have an insanely intimate connection with their, their, their partner. And when they, mm-hmm. and they, they grieve like humans. I mean, they grieve deeply. Um, I was just watching a, a, a video not all the long ago on a swan introduced back to its mate, having been in a rehab facility for being hit by a car. And the two are just, I mean, they just literally flock they just to mm-hmm. each other and they just cannot be separated. They, they are in that moment. So you can see not only is there what we would maybe term love, there was grief. I mean, that, that mm-hmm. swan was the visually changed by being in that connection. But I wonder if that, how we pro, how we talk about it, how we, uh, vocalize or deal with the grief part, maybe that's what shifts us into conversations about mm-hmm. humanity.
1: And and I have no way to prove this in any way, shape, or form. But my hypothesis for this goes back to scripture, and, and this is one of those one of those bits of scripture that I think is capital T truth, regardless of what what it is, whether it's in the Bible, whether it's in uh, the Torah, whether it's in the Quran, whether it's in any other religious text, because they all seem to come back to this and and it's kind of summed up nicely in John you know in in, in the beginning was the word and, and and i hear that as language right the concept of being able to communicate something to someone else right hmm. is divine for me it's like it's like an awakening for lack of a better way to put it that if i couldn't say to you this is fire and we use it to cook and then but now i can this the, the concept of communication to me is that awakening and uh, which for me is is profound because we know there are other creatures on this planet that can learn language and use it it may not be vocal but that may you know that we we need to reevaluate how we interact with some of these and you know i say this as somebody who's like a hunter and a fisherman and all that but At the same time, you know, and and link. I don't know, I I just that's always kind of stuck with me because that's that that speaking, you you hear that like that that creation that Mm -hmm. comes out of it is, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a physical act, but a an awaking of consciousness act is is kind of what I've always unpacked out of that.
0: And sort of where I, I go with this and if I don't write this word down, I'm going to forget it. Um, where I sort of go with this is is that, you know, the, I think the the breakpoint is, you know, we feel the loss. The loss happens. We see that with everyone. There's a thing there and then the thing goes away and that we feel that. But I think the jump is that it's the look forward. It's the ability to see that there's, like, tomorrow. And I think that's a hard concept that, you know, early hu- human had to figure out at some point. And I feel like that's why the where does someone go after they're gone idea also ties into religion so much because it's all about sacrifice and giving away something now for the better thing tomorrow. And, the, and, and that whole – that's all sort of tied together. So I sort of see that in that idea of like, OK, so this person has gone. You feel the loss, but it's like, well, then now what? What do I do with this thing and where does it go? And it feels like that's sort of the flip. Where it's now we need to prepare this person this this person for for what's next, because we can see forward, and now we're going to make a sacrifice so that this person can can move forward correctly and and like,
1: I wa- I don't know I, I wonder if the development of long-term planning and cooperation mm-hmm. among hominids directly ties into that. Right. Because we go, we, like go from, we go from like we see a pack of lions or a pack of wolves work together and and plan in the moment how they're going to take down an animal. Mm-hmm. But we don't see any evidence right now, at least that I'm not aware of, of how they're going to plan for the next hunt for tomorrow. They bring it down and it satisfies the immediate need and they're done. Right. As opposed to let's not eat all of this right now. Let's save some of this. For tomorrow, what
2: if and the next what day
0: if, and the next day? I'm going to interrupt you for a second. What if that's that's it? What if it's cooking? The moment that we cook it and go, oh, this is still good the next day. That's that's where that leap starts to come from. Of mm-hmm. like, you eat it and it goes bad, but if I cook it, well, wait, now it's good. Lo- and like, I could see it's that good sort longer.
1: Of, yeah. yeah, and then that I lets know. us. Yeah. I don't know. It, there's so much we don't know and we're speculating on here, yeah. but at the same time we're now getting so much evidence that we're not as unique as we thought we were, right? Because we, we grew up, I think all three of us grew up with that linear model of evolution, right? From you know monkey to caveman to us. And we now know that that, that, that straight line is not a straight line. It is this big tree and and there have been times where it was like the lord of the rings i know i've said that in other podcasts where we have you know four or five different humans or humanids or hominids running around you know you got your elf your dwarf your hobbit you know I, it, for lack of a better way to put it um and and and, and you know, is this where our legends come from right we have no idea how far back our oral histories go um, the, we, we definitely know they're prehistoric right especially some of these religious stories that we talk about um, even biblical stories like we know Noah wasn't written down in the, the Jewish Bible first there's you know Aramaic Noah's and and, and Parts of those stories, and and when you get into it, well,
0: there's, there's, there's Noah's in every single in every single civilization. Because I mean, literally the massive flood. No, no, I know.
1: Literally the name Noah. We have seen other, other. It's, it's it's Assyrian or it's one of them. I
0: remember in high school having a conversation with a religion teacher going, but if every religion has a flood story. Doesn't that mean there was a really big flood? No, we don't think so. Yeah. What are you talking about? Like yeah. they've all got one. Well, there were probably a lot of little floods. It doesn't seem like that's what they were talking about. Like like
2: yeah, <laughs> and, and that's and, and that's that's the challenge, right? I mean, yeah. th- just break down the Noah story. You want to talk about a description of other kinds of humans. That's where the Nephilim come from, right? Yeah. Oh, they they're, yes. they're this obscure reference. But at the same time, we know for certain other cultures around the world looked drastically different and had histories that provided Crazy things. I mean, there are stories of of David and Goliath, right? The Philistines. Mm-hmm. Uh, why was why was Goliath so large? We know that there were races of giants. We know that there were people who by by let's uh, that's probably a hard term, but like no, by no, modern no, by, no, by, no, no. Like, like modern day <laughs> modern day definitions, like these were people that were seven foot or bigger, yeah, yeah and is, functioned not because Sovians? of some sort of uh. The
1: I'm yeah, no, no, not the dinosaurs. That's no. a different thing. But, no, but they found no. one. They found a hominid tooth that is huge.
0: That's huge. Yeah. 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 Um, well, Camp and then there's all, the, there's all the hidden and, evidence of the North American red Well, I was going to say, but, I mean, we, we, we all know, you know for a
1: fact the <laughs> Smithsonian has buried all the, the giant yes. bones that were found in the eight, late 1800s. Yeah, we can
2: thank Indiana Jones for that. Yeah, and,
1: yeah, ironically, I just showed my 18 year old Indiana Jones two days ago. The the first one he's oh, never the first seen one that them.
0: ends with the the yeah, and he's like, no, that's "What's the that? Third one that, like, in, that?" No, ends no, no, with it's the first the, uh... one.
1: It's Raiders of the Lost Ark. Lost Ark. Yeah. They go and they, they go and they oh, put, they it, put into it into the big, big thing. thing. Okay. And he goes, yeah, "What's yeah, that?" Right. I was like, "That's where the Smithsonian's hiding all our stuff." Yeah, that's right? where everything is. And what's what's funny about that statement is, yes, it's a conspiracy theory, but it's also true. There are yeah. massive warehouses of stuff that has been donated to the Smithsonian that aren't being analyzed or cataloged yeah. because they it's literally they, they have, have too much, much stuff, stuff and not enough budget.
0: Well, there was uh, that the the bone guy out of Alaska who oh had, that he it's a crazy long story that I wanted to get into, but he sort of reached out to them and was like, "Hey, you have." You know, we have a record here. We fourteen crates of whatever, and you're not mammoth doing bones. anything with them. It and was like mammoth bones, and mammoth tusks bones and stuff. And, yeah. stuff. and yeah. it was like, but the agreement says that if you don't do anything with them, then we get them back. So we like them back, and they're like, well, we'd love to, but that's that building's full of asbestos, and so we can't get them for you. So we'll let you know. And then he's like, ten years later, I went back, and I was like, clean up the asbestos yet? No, we're still working on it. Like, he's well, like, me my stuff back,
1: and, and then <laughs> and then they went, yeah, we cleaned it out, and we needed more space, so we dumped it all in the East River.
0: No, no, no. That was, that that was, was a different. different one. But, so what but that it's a
1: similar kind of thing, though. They Literally, well, they ran out of space, and they're dumping stuff in, in the, the river.
0: In the 20s and the 30s, the person who owned the property before, they oh, were sending the, all these bones to the Smithsonian. Yeah, and basically, the Smithsonian got to the point where they ran out of room and just started dumping them in the river. And this guy went on Rogan's show last year sometime and like told people where it was. And people have now gone, and they're like – found us like a, a saber tooth tiger jaw. And yeah. like so there's that,
2: they legitimately dump <laughs> stuff in the,
0: in the ocean. One um, of the
2: challenges that I think when we talk about modern interpretation of religion and spirituality is that when we think of the ancient narratives, you know, you're talking about John, the opening mm-hmm. prologue of John. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would push back on the logos. It has nothing to do with uh, communication. It has everything to do with God, but John is a retelling of Genesis one, the Hebrew and the Greek are almost identical. Um, But um, when we when we think about the ways in which creation stories are written, they are about answering the question, Daniel, that you brought up kind of as we were getting into this is about like what happens next. Yeah. So the stories are all about uh, an active deity engaging with a people who want that question answered. What Mm -hmm. is next? What is next? So I think that's the basis of religion. Is asking that question, what is next? And it's based on, uh, on a theology of hope
0: mm-hmm. that
2: even if I give everything I have in this world and I die, there is something tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that sense of hope is what in a sense drives civilization. That might be a very oversimplification, but if we mm-hmm. didn't have hope for tomorrow, maybe not mm-hmm. for me, but for my nieces or my nephews or my kids, if you have them or whatever, then that's what drives civilization. That's what drives yeah. development. That's what drives research. That's what drives medicine is for tomorrow. So I think one of the one of the things that we look at, or that I see when I, especially when I read in in the Hebrew Bible, the Old Testament, mm-hmm. uh, and you read those ancient creation narratives, is is this this desire to say, this deity in Christianity that we would call God, mm-hmm. did this. Whatever it happens to be, created the world, created humans, created whatever. It's not meant to be some kind of scientific, you know, breakdown of a seven-day period. It's not the mm-hmm. idea. But that God did something for the the overall gains of what ended up becoming humanity, Adam and Eve, right? But at the same time, when God did act, new things happened, But we didn't capture the whole story. We're targeting, why is this happening? Why are we here? Why is there bad things in the world? Those questions are what drive the religious narrative. Uh, So it's not necessarily scientific, but it's answering those questions in a very different kind of way. Definitely leaning into philosophy. Definitely leaning into theology, obviously. So I
0: I was recently reading... Through uh, uh, Bill and I decided we're going to read through some of the apocrypha, and so I was recently reading through one of the early creation stories from the Hebrew side, and to sort of to to talk about what what Bill mentioned earlier about John talking about the Word, something that I've been really focused on recently is the idea of vibrations and what those mean and vocalizing that kind of stuff and that being so important. And what I thought was really interesting in that in that apocryphal you know story of creation was the alphabet. Like it was not only as part of the creation, it was also, we're going to teach you how to communicate with each other. And I, and I really think those two things are super interlinked with each other. The idea of like, that's why I love John, the, the, the word, like it's, it's not just the, it's all of it. It's, we can now communicate with each other and express things like, Tomorrow. There's a there's a there's a I heard about it yesterday, but there's this idea of a a universal vocabulary that like it's a cyclical idea of like, how do you get from I should have how do you get to I should have done by just pointing and grunting at things like the concept of like, well, I did this, but I should have done this is so complicated that there had to be some initial framework of understanding between people that was
1: yeah, and and it's beyond that that you had to have
0: language to get to. <laughs> it, it's interesting because we
1: can see evidence. It, you talked about like genetics earlier, and I I'm a, I'm a firm believer in that there is some form of genetic memory that that goes in. We see it with animals, right? Uh, we we see the the horse is born and then it's running in two minutes, right? It doesn't have to learn to walk the way we do. Um, where was it going with this? Uh, uh, but oh. And so language, there are almost universal, almost universal hand gestures that you don't have to be able to speak the other person's language to get them to understand what it is you're doing. Now, like like you said, it, it's not it's not this intricate language, but there's there's certain things like, you know, stop, you know, and people raise their hands. There's the we see a lot of this in in primates, other primates with like physical communication that that goes along that I think is almost at a genetic level Um, and you know I know that I'm I'm horribly mistranslating the thing with the word uh, there in John but for one of the things I've been seeing and everything I've been studying goes back to harmonics and vibration and sound and communication and it's running through lots of things that I'm watching, reading and studying right now and we talk about a universal language. Maybe it's mathematics because it's a way we can we can measure that kind of thing. Um, because there are fixed amounts, uh, and I'm kind of going all over the place here, but it, it's going to tie back into this cave, the cave of bones thing. There was an art piece, and when we talk about art, we're not talking about Da Vinci, but there was a carving into the stone wall, which is a lot of calories expended, especially if you've Crawled back to the back end of a cave. They called them hashes. Is what yeah, they, they called to them hashes. As. It almost it almost looked like the tic tac toe, mm-hmm. ha- or hashtag, or for those of us who are old enough to remember <laughs> the pound sign, the pound sign, right? But it, we had it at like three hundred and fifty thousand years ago, from this rough estimate, two fifty. Two, well, I saw a couple of different ones in, in some of the websites. They went, but two hundred fifty thousand years. Conservative
0: ago, is 250.
1: two fifty. Yeah, um, probably
0: four hundred. But then you know.
1: we see <laughs> almost the identical hash hash marks on the wall with Neanderthal at eighty thousand years, almost identical. And then we see a, a, an exceptionally similar one from Homo sapien at sixty
0: thousand years. That's the earliest homo sapien, but it's art that we know a little more complex. And
1: and the homo sapiens had the same tool, the same Mm -hmm. shape stone tool that they used. And one of the scientists said something profound is like, maybe we didn't come up with this. Maybe somebody taught it to us.
2: And then the response to
0: that was the response to that from the other guy was, well, what if this is a universal shape? These ideas and, yeah. and geometric forms are just universal in hominids. Yeah.
1: But just just that concept of its, uh, in and of itself, we tend to be a very arrogant species and assume that we figured all this stuff out on our own, right? That, that's kind mm-hmm. of like if I had to pick one of our biggest flaws, that's one of our biggest flaws, right? Um, especially Westerners. You know, we, we, we just, all, we're, we always know it. We've always figured it all out. We always have the answer, right? Um, even when we know we don't and we run headfirst into that wall. <laughs> you know, the stonework, the stone tool work, and, you know, the fire and how to create all that art. I mean, just could you imagine if our little tiny cousin taught our next cousin art who then handed that art down to us? That is just like earth shatteringly profound for me, um, because I grew up in that Western culture. We're the ones who figured all that stuff out, right? Yeah.
0: Well, and I think that's I think that's the biggest like, and so that's where I sort of start to run into like, how are we going to sort this out? Because when you're when you're looking at it, this, you have to go like, okay, so all the stories that we have, all of them that we've written down come from something older well if they're old, if they're coming from something well where are they coming from then like what what does that actually tell us about the stories that we have now and and something that i i like is when when the when the new science mirrors the old religion i think that's truer than anything because the old stuff so I, the thing i've been on is is i i'm i'm been listening to a, a book about intelligent design and sort of the idea of like they're a creator and there has to be something there. And you're like, well, that's the oldest idea. Well, like, well, maybe that's because we knew it before or we understood it, or it's, it's, it's so such an old idea that if it matches up. Like maybe that makes it makes it more true. You know, when you have a, an old event that happens to line up with new science, you're like, well, I, I guess it's if they called it 500 years ago and now the science backs it up. Well, clearly that must be right. You know,
2: I think there's there's some power in that in the sense I wonder definitely agree fully with what is passed down. There's definitely some genetic linkage between one side and the other. Totally get that. Mm-hmm. But I also think what we're describing, though, is community. Without community, um, none of that gets passed down. Like right. if you, you – you, we only learn from generation to generation because communities must rely on each other, right? The, the adage right. of it takes a village is not just about raising kids. It's about survival. So and,
0: what does that tell us about
2: how old civilization is then? Well, yeah, civilization is as old as time. It has right. to be. It has to be. If not, where we are today makes absolutely no sense um because right. you you can't if if information is going to be passed down and learned if religion is going to be passed down and learned if language is going to morph and change that means it's passed down and being used right. differently so you know whether it's hashtags on a wall or or some sort of uh you know Michelangelo something art is a form of language and Think of our, some of the oldest languages in the world are based around drawing instead of an actual like alphabet style. I mean, I think of uh, I, I don't know any of those religions outside of what little bit I have know of Hebrew that is kind mm-hmm. of based on a very similar concept. But it is le- it is letter based in that sense. But um, yeah, but but so many of our old stuff is is centered around drawing. And that's, that says that not only is art a form of expression, art is a form of communication, which meant that what was being experienced was being experienced in a community. Therefore, the community, when, I, when we drew uh, the bison on the wall for the first time... We right. all understood what that meant. There was a docu- There was a, that wasn't a documentary. It was more of a, a podcast kind of conversation around dinosaurs. And the question on mm-hmm. the table had to do with did did what we know of of the human trajectory exist during periods of dinosaurs? Mm-hmm. And one of the guys on the stage stood up and was like, "Where do you think dragons came from?" Like. Every, that's across every culture under the sun. Like everyone has an understanding of a dragon. Like some of them have legs. Some of them don't. Some of them have wings. Some of them don't. Some of them breathe fire. Some of them don't, but everybody shares this understanding. He's like, I don't want to sound stupid, but I'm going to raise my hand and say, that's a dinosaur. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. but there's, it's so, but when that's drawn, a community understands. So right. going back to having a verbal nonverbal but visual language, just like body language, that becomes a way of communication. So, to yeah. me, I think most of these communities oh, yeah. exist in a sense well well past our even understanding. So, the, a question that was uh, that was at, that was shared, or not a question, but a statement that was made, was how much has been forgotten that we don't mm-hmm. even know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, these communities were were figuring out. I was reading some stuff on on the Roman Empire. And um, and just the development of the aqueduct, like mm-hmm. how brilliant that was. And when it didn't work or they realized that was going to not they re- they created vacuum pumps, but it was actually based on just using gravity to pull water in a different direction. Yeah, it's like, I mean, well,
0: we, ha- we, we just figured out how their concrete works. Yeah, like right, we just right. were like, oh, now we got it. Now we figured out why <laughs> how <laughs> that works. You, right. you said you said a couple of things
1: I want to want to comment on there that were very <laughs> profound for me. Um, the The drawing language. I, imagine as bef- even if it's before spoken language, right? The ability to pick up a stick and draw out a plan. And mm. armies have been doing this for centuries in the sand, right, or in the dirt. Like you, you, you go around. I mean, just look at a football playbook. It's yeah. literally, it's literally like a you know. They call it sand table exercises in the military. When just to be able to do that is massively profound. And then there's a movie. I don't know if either of y'all have seen it called The Thirteenth Warrior with Antonio Banderas. Um, It's a Michael Crichton adaptation of Eaters of the Dead or Eaters of the. Talked about this. It's a great movie. If you haven't seen it, it was one of those that underperformed. It's exceptional. But he's a he's a Islamic ambassador who is sent to the Vikings. And he ends up traveling with this group of Vikings and it's kind of a retail retelling of Beowulf almost in a, a much more realistic setting. Oh, okay. But there's a point where there's a couple of fascinating things in it. There's a scene where they're traveling from like the Middle East to Norway and it's months are going by and he's literally just, he doesn't speak their language. So he's just sitting there watching them and it's like a five minute scene and they're speaking in Viking. And then all of a sudden, slowly, a word will be in English, and another word will be in English, and another word will be in English. And, then, and eventually it gets to a point where, spoilers for a 25-year-old movie, uh, <laughs> someone insults him, and he understands the insult, and he speaks, and he's speaking their language. So he sits around long enough to pick up their language to be fluent, right? And that just shocks them, and they're like, how did you figure this out? And he's like, I listen. I listen to you, which is profound. Then the leader comes to him and says, "Show me how to draw words." And then he does the the whole um, the the Islamic phrase, and I don't want to insult anybody by getting it wrong, but like, um, um, my name is Allah, and and I am it's it's the it's the prayer, it's the traditional prayer, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm not going to butcher it because I'm not going to insult anybody. But he draws that out in the sand in Arabic and then the viking wipes it away and then does the same thing and then later in the movie or watches him a couple of times and later in the movie and he says speak what i draw and draws it out and Mm. then he toward the end he says draw the deeds of my life because he's he's dying you know the guy's dying he's draw the deeds of my life so that i'm not forgotten and that is, it's just some profound moments in this movie, which is supposed to be an action flick, and it's a great <laughs> action flick, too. But, um, and it's fascinating because it deals with Islam and Vikings in the Dark Ages and the Germanic <laughs> tribes that are still worshiping, like, the Earth Mother and think they're, and, and bears. And, and it, it's just, if you haven't seen it, you should check it out. But it deals with all the stuff we're talking about, like, Different levels of culture, different levels of adaptation, different levels of advancement and language. Um,
2: yeah. So
0: I, let me. So so the thing that I that I keep talking about with about this, and probably not on here, but just in, in general, is the I my I always look at this and go, why are we having such a hard time accepting that things are older than it? It feels like it's been a real pull to get mm-hmm. people to be willing to do it and i keep wondering if it's if it's religion that's not causing the problem but but creating the resistance of if we're if we're willing to accept that things are significantly older than we thought they do does that is there a fear that that's going to 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 rock that foundation that People, are, it's going to make you know. I, you know, I'm wondering and, and if, I, there's a, if there's a. Is there's a? I want to take that of... a
1: step further and and define religion as not necessarily just Christianity, Islam, yes. yeah, da, da, to, but but the religion of science as we have it now, right? The religion of the history we all know, right? The because you can turn anything into a religion, into a dogma, I should say, into <laughs> to, to some kind of dogma. And just like we have bib- biblical literalists who will tell you the earth is six thousand years old, and we had the dinosaurs, and the Flintstones was real, and, and you know all that, um, you can have that same dog- dogmatism in anything. Or um, and I, I think there's just this innate arrogance in that we just in ego we just don't want to admit we're wrong. That I think is is at least in part at play in all of this.
2: I would, I would say it's not going to rock much. I, I mean, I really think it depends on where your belief pattern comes from. Um, I happen to be Lutheran. Um, I read a lot of things, everything from, you know, quantum mechanics and theology to the latest youth ministry book. And, Mm -hmm. Whether or not we know how the progression of humanity got us to this particular point and what's involved in that, to me, that doesn't rock a whole lot. Because, again, going back to what I said about Scripture, my understanding and my, my theology is that what I hold to as a Christian is not a science textbook. It is a narrative discussion of a people trying to figure out what a God was doing. Mm -hmm. And what is, what is, how do we deal with what happens in life? The ups and the downs, the this and the that, Mm -hmm. the ebbs and the flows. And through that all, yeah. Now, that is not to say, though, I have colleagues that the moment you begin to dissect the 6,000-year-old earth, you lose them. I've also got folks, I don't have any in my particular congregation or my setting, but you've also got folks that are like, well, just so you know, the earth is not round. It's pretty flat. And then I show them the video of the guy with the GoPro in Alaska that actually shows the earth turning and all that sort of stuff. It's really yeah. hysterical. It's wonderful. He was a flat earther anyway, and he disproves his own theory. But, um, yes, this is wonderful. It, it's pretty amazing. But I think at the same time, when you've got th- – there are belief patterns that mm-hmm. are so rigid that the flexibility of dealing with new things, right. even though they're ancient – it, yeah. it they they don't have that they they don't have the yeah. ability but and I, and, I, I, and i don't know and, if it, let me just say go, one thing before you before you jump, just and it's not that i
0: i think it's going to rock any foundation i i was more pointing at i wonder if there is you know, the Catholic Church is just like, we don't even want to touch this because it's going to, you know, that, that there's, I wonder if there's some, if that's causing resistance. Not that it will be a problem. I don't think it will be, but I wonder if there is resistance to opening up to those new ideas. Just like when, you know, the Dead Sea Scrolls come out and people sort of go, oh, what's that going to do it? is it going to, and it didn't. Yeah. I didn't. We're just sort of like, hey, more information. Awesome. And I, I wonder if that's. And I, I so, think. I
1: I, I, this has been my experience because uh, through 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 seminary, through working with a variety of churches, through going to talking to people, talking to the atheists and everybody, it comes to me. It comes back to where is the maturity level of that person's faith, regardless <laughs> of what they're putting their faith in, whether their faith is in atheism and science, or the the history I read in my textbook. And we're all at a different point in that faith journey. And there's a point where you need it to be solid and that's the way it is. Right? Mm -hmm. You you need it there. And and I've seen this, especially with people who are like trying to pull themselves out of a horrible situation, alcohol, drugs, whatever. I need that structure, foundation to be that way no matter what. Mm -hmm. Kind of the people who... I see initially attracted to the hellfire and brimstone style churches to give them order. But then as they've matured, they've moved into a more grace oriented style church to use a church example for it. Um, You got to be ready to ask that hard question. And Daniel and I have talked about this. I learned to live in the paradox a long time ago. The, is it, is it left or right? And the answer is yes. Right. That, that I'm, and that's not an easy thing to do to, to get to a point where it's like, I need a, I need an either or answer. And the answer is, well, it, it very well may be both, or it may be, you know, that's, that is an uncomfortable place to live and uh, Mm -hmm. we're not all there. Right. And I'm not saying I'm better. I just, I started it early. Right. And it took me a lot, a lot of time to get there. A lot of like, faith questions and and this is mild tangent. One of my biggest critiques of seminary uh, was it did a really good job of breaking people's ideas and breaking people's faith down and not a really good job of building it back up. <laughs> um, the difference is I had already done the breaking it down in my undergrad and so and, and then they did a really good job of building it back up compared to the, the seminary type thing. Um, and, and that's, that was just a critique of that specific seminary at that time. Um, not in general, but it's hard for people to challenge their ideas. It's hard for people to challenge their assumptions. It's hard for people. I, and I'll give you all a real, real world practical example. My grandfather was a good man. Um, but he grew up in the deep South, very poor and was very racist. Right. He did not really think of black people as people. Right. And then he went to world. He enlisted and he went to fight in World War Two. And he was one of those guys who got saved by the Tuskegee Airmen because he was a turret gunner in a 17 And ended up in a prison camp and came back and would not tolerate any kind of racism to a black person. It completely fundamentally changed his perception on how they were, um, but the irony is, he still hated Hispanics and he called them horrible things. And you know he didn't change there and that. And he mellowed it much as he got older. And then he joined the Masons, and that helped him mellow more and and begin to accept more people. But, you know, it took a profound thing for him to change, right? And um, he really didn't have a choice in the matter. Uh, I I mean, I guess he did. He could have still thought of them horribly. But sometimes we have to face hard things to change our ideas. And I think that's what you're talking about, Daniel, when you're talking about religion. I think you're just like – some people's faith is is brittle like cast iron. And it takes time to mold it into something that is much more flexible. Um, And the problem with a cast iron is it is very strong until it's struck in just the wrong way and then it shatters, right? And I, I think I just went on a horrible tangent there, but does that no make good. sense? Uh, no,
0: it didn't make any sense at all. Okay. none mess- at all. We're <laughs> going <laughs> to clap and say good job. Exactly. <laughs> no, no, I was, yeah. No, and I, I just I just think there's this, we're reaching, I, I feel like we're reaching a point where we're, we're nearing a fundamental shift of, of what our our story as humans is you know we we're gonna have to look back and go like okay so things are older than we thought they were they're substantially older than we thought they were some of these ideas or that we're that we're dealing with may not have been come up we didn't come up with them maybe mm-hmm. you know maybe we didn't come up with burial and somebody else did and we were like ah that's an idea you know i mean like who knows because you More look it at simply like handed down yeah, yeah. I, mean, I was just gonna say. You look at orangutans have watched us spearfish enough that now they do it. So, like, yeah. it's very possible that three hundred thousand years ago we saw some other group of people carrying a body, and we were like, "I don't know what they're doing." And we you know, figure, and we're like, "Oh, that must be a thing we should do." And it became, you know,
1: and then and then we know for a fact that at some point we saw them do stuff enough that we we merged the tribes. Right, right, at a genetic level. Um, Yeah, it's just it's it's this is a fascinating subject, and we have tiny pieces of the puzzle. And like the guy said, we can never know. That's right. That's one of the difficulties here. We can never know unless we have a time machine, because these species are extinct.
0: So we can only. Oh, go ahead. I was also going to say to to, sorry, we were saying a long time ago. That we merged the tribes. And think about that we still have a detectable percentage of that DNA in our body and it's been forty thousand years since then the earth all died off. Maybe I mean, that number keeps it, fluctuating, but yeah. But I mean yeah. okay, call it twenty thousand and and be, be super conservative. Mm-hmm. That mean that means it probably seems like at that point it might have been fifty fifty. You know, or yeah. Or, well, at, know, at one point know, it was. Like,
1: at one point it had to be fifty-fifty. You had a fifty-fifty hybrid, right? But I mean, like one Neanderthal parent, the other. Yeah, um, and 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 it's not just that there's little traces in our DNA. There are physical structures in our body, like it's the, the hitchhiker thumb thing, right? If you can, if your if your thumb is straight, which I can't even really do, that's not Neanderthal. And if you can curve back, that that is right. Yeah. And the, the, the fact that the most – it's more than – at first they said most Europeans had it. Now they're like, well, it's actually most Europeans and most people from Asia. And basically unless you're, uh, unless you're from Africa, then you're, you've got some sprinkled in there and, in some way, shape, or I'm form. And I'm going to
0: throw this in here, which is wild. There's like two crazy things I just heard. One, they found – they think the out-of-Africa theory might actually be – backwards and then they yes. actually started in Europe. They just found something that was way older. <laughs> I'm like, well, maybe we're wrong, you know. So there's yeah. Yeah, obviously we're always still looking. Did you hear we doubled the length of the universe? Yeah, I just saw that. It went from it went from it was 13.7 we, billion years old and it's now 26.7 years old. billion years old.
1: Yes. And that that yeah. that has been published in like the last Two or three weeks. Yeah, it's very yeah, recent. it's very recent because oh. I, I I started playing with with the thing we need to destroy, which is Chat GPT, uh, today, and and I asked it the question, "How old is the universe?" Because I wanted to see how, it, and it said, "As of 2021, when my database was updated, it is yeah. 13.8 billion years old." Yeah, and because I because I knew that had just come out, so I wanted to, to see. Um. Yeah, this is all fascinating stuff.
0: Absolutely. I think I think that's a good place to stop it. So, we'll go ahead and call it there. Thank you everybody for joining us. We'll see you again next time.